The recent happenings with the World Health Organization in regards to China is a microcosm of what could happen if China's global dominance is allowed to continue. This kind of cold espionage, you know, old school noir style espionage and uh, a military race and, you know, space race and, you know, dick measuring context, except they were backed up by nukes. Because they're not able to make enough money even with the SBA loans. Because right now, that PPP program, it's tapped out. Welcome to the salt of the streets, coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation. We need some information, and that's why salt needs to be stationed in your rotation with real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Because right, that's what, what's that? Oh, let's get ready. And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, April 18th, 3.25 p.m., episode 83. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary and all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. I am Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, we got a nice big uh, COVID-themed grab bag show for you. We've been off for two weeks, and I don't know, there's been a little bit of news over the last two weeks, and so we'll do our best to kind of get you caught up on the most important factors. But uh, before we get into any and all of that, Don G, how you doing, man? How's life treating you? How's the, uh, good, how's the lockdown? It's, it's going all right. I've been still working, you know, uh, as as I was last time. Been doing a lot more of those face shields and stuff like that. So um, the other small business that we were partying with ended up getting enough material for like 100,000 more shields. So we're just pumping those out. 100,000? 100,000. God. Yeah, that's – hey. Job security, baby. So we're pumping. We're donating. Check this out. You're going to love this. Uh, my sister-in-law works at one of the recreational cannabis stores in front of Walmart in Bremerton, right? And Okay. <clears throat> that's an essential business in Washington State, so they're still open. Um, and so they're still having access, obviously, with the public. And they were unable to secure any type of masks, you know, because they're just being sent all to the hospitals. No one can buy masks. Um, yeah. And so they were looking for some type of personal protection so that the employees didn't have to find their own. And so I was able to hook them up with some masks or some face shields um, and get one for all of their employees. And the owner of that business ended up making a very sizable donation to the cause um, to help offset our cost for buying all the equipment and the materials and stuff to make the fish. So like they, you donated them the face shields and then they gave you a donation in, in in money back. Correct. Kind of like those, uh, those car wash fundraiser things. (laughs) Yes. Just come in, get your car wash and then you just pay us whatever you want to. Yeah. That's pretty dope, man. Good for them. Yeah, I'll send you a a message of obviously I don't want to disclose how much it is, but oh yeah, well we'll talk. Yeah, just text me that shit later. <laughs> yeah, oh I did just now. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, because that's you guys are getting paid, 
and you guys are doing the work getting paid by your your company but then the company's making zero dollars right right and so that's that's a big thing right because we are people to know there's there's companies out there that are doing that right we're securing all the materials um the other guy louis that we're working with is helping secure materials and we are getting materials donated from other people the people who make our hook and loop velcro donated enough uh velcro to make like 7500 shields and so different companies are also donating to us in the form of materials this was the first one to donate in the form of cash um but you're correct we are donating the time of all the employees because we're we're just we're getting paid to make these face shields that we're just donating to all the first responders uh the medical centers anybody who's on the first lines that are coming to us approaching us telling us that they need these things that they're not getting you know that is so cool that's so cool, especially considering all the other, uh, we'll just say the missing links in the supply chains. It, it's cool to have like just private companies come out of nowhere, just do what needs to be done. You know, that's pretty wild. Right. Well, I remember, especially in the beginning of this whole thing, there was so much discussion about the the Defense Production Act um, and why yeah. President Trump wasn't enforcing it, you know, and why he wasn't using it and making all these companies do these things. I mean, he was saying, well, I don't need to, you know, like I don't, yeah. it's not necessary. And while there's obviously still a gap in between what's being requested and what's being provided, there's mm-hmm. also in some cases, in some states, our state in particular, um, or just for example, you know, where we ended up having more equipment than we thought that we needed. And it was like, I think mm-hmm. just last week that we ended up doing donating or sending 400 ventilators uh, to other states around the country who needed them because we didn't, you know? Yeah. Um, And so there is a gap in between, like I said, what was requested and what is being provided. But in some cases, that gap is not necessarily a detrimental thing, you know? But that gap that's being filled in a lot of times, like I said, isn't – President Trump was correct in some cases that he didn't need to apply the Defense Production Act to these companies to force them to make things to donate them to medical centers or that they can buy, you know. Because um, yeah. we talked about the last time, the big hang-up in a lot of these cases was the fact that everything is being purchased. You know, nothing's being donated by any of these companies that's making things. I mean, by some of them, they are like companies like us, but a majority of the big companies are making these things and then selling them on the market for like very little profit. Profit, but uh, you know a reasonable price that's kind of being set by the government right now, so that everything can keep flowing. But that's a huge hang-up is determining still what's a fair price in the market for these supplies when they come out, um, and that's yeah. delaying a lot of this resupplies in a lot of places. Yeah, which also points at you know I think one of the general themes I want to talk about at some point today is this this ill-informed relationship that the public has um, and the expectations they have of the government and the government's ability to actually fulfill those obligations, no matter how many times they promise to. And I think this is nothing but a perfect crystal clear illustration of that, that kind of failure for, you know, if you'll excuse the religious, you know, blasphemy here, you know, you have this God entity on top, the, the, the federal government, but, if they want to bestow their gifts upon us citizens on the ground, it's got a long ways to fall. And there's a lot of things that need to happen between the, you know, the time the, the federal government makes something or, or 
or sends out money in this case or something like that then before anybody actually gets it in their hand the the government has very 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 few avenues to deliver directly to somebody's house something of need much less a business or anything right you know and that's, a- that's a gap i think dr fauci spoke about uh yesterday during his press conference and i think that was extremely important and there would have been no one other than he who i think could explain it if trump tried to explain it it would have been a total clusterfuck right and, and i that, think a good I think it's important to understand and i think a good example of that is the checks right not the not yeah. just the economic impact payments but the actual paper checks you know mm-hmm. that it's gonna take fucking like two months for the paper oh, yeah. checks to get to people who aren't using their accounts to have things um, automatically deposited into their into their bank, you know, mm-hmm. like anybody who hasn't already done that, is going to have to wait weeks before they get their paper check for twelve hundred dollars. And if they don't have a job right now, that's a really really long time to wait for twelve hundred dollars that probably mm-hmm. didn't do the job in the first place, you know. Oh yeah, considering you know. People have been out of work, at least in our state now, for what, a, a month? Over A little over a month, month and a half? Yeah, I mean, it's been a month since we did the uh, the live show, you know? Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. It was a month. Holy crap. In two days, it will be one month. So, it's yeah, it's been this long, you know, that we've yeah. been shut down officially because it was like a week before that that all the businesses yeah. or like the restaurants and stuff got closed. So it's and been like five <laughs> weeks, six weeks. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we can get more into the nitty gritty later, but I mean, even our, our own state unemployment insurance situation, um, in regards to that extra $600 that the CARES Act, the passing of the CARES Act added into people's, you know, into their unemployment checks. Yeah. That's not even going live until today, right. Saturday. And I mean, the, I really enjoyed, you know, we're, you know, me and you, and we watch a lot of those Jay Inslee pressers and the Trump pressers and stuff like that. A lot of people don't watch them, but, um, you know, every now and again, he gets some pretty good people up on the podium to talk. And, and the, the, the galley had on, I can't remember her name now, but, uh, head of the, the state unemployment. It's like the commissioner you know. of the unemployment insurance. Yeah. And she was incredibly well spoken, very clear and articulate and laid out a lot of, kind of hard truths for people one other thing about her she looks like mm -hmm. jamie lee curtis okay good because i pretty sure i had just watched true lies a couple days before watching that (laughs) and fuck i forgot how good true lies was we'll talk about all the movies that i've been watching later but yes a hundred percent Yes, and I'm so glad you said that because I thought I maybe I was just being creepy. No, you're totally right. <laughs> um, actually, I'm totally right because I saw Derek Kilmer <laughs> doing a video with her the other day too, and it irritated okay. me because she looks so much like her that I thought he was talking to Jamie Lee Curtis, and I was like, what a piece of shit you are. Like, we're in the middle of this whole thing, and of all the people, you're going to talk to fucking Jamie Lee Curtis about COVID-19, and then I saw that woman – on the Jansley press conference, and I was like, oh, man, am I an asshole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I got to see, what does Jamie Lee Curtis look like nowadays? Just like that woman. Like, just like her. Oh, yep. Yeah, looks exactly like that. With the gray that, hair and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. All right, well, let's just start 
here then. We'll just start by talking about the stimulus package and unemployment. Um, okay. Unemployment numbers nationally, they're at like 20 million, you know, right around 20 million. It is unprecedented, absolutely absurd. Um, oh, there's yeah. also still a huge backlog, you know, just our friend Morgan, she just told me last week that she was finally able to get unemployment and she's been trying since everything closed down six weeks ago. So it's been oh, that yeah. long, you know, that she's been trying to get unemployment and it just finally happened. <clears throat> Yep. I know that is the story with a lot of people, man. And My employees have been struggling with, with similar situations. Yeah. And, and, and that, of course, at this point, even if you got the unemployment at this point, you weren't getting the CARES Act portion of it. So you were still only receiving, you know, generally in the area of 300 some dollars a week. Right. And you we know, talked about that. 350 or something like we that. We talked about last week, um, the CARES Act, which is the stimulus package that got passed, um, added an extra $600 to the traditional amount that you would get from unemployment, which is half of your weekly wages that you were getting when you were employed. So whatever your check is with no overtime, no anything, cut that in half. And that's what you would receive every week from the government. Now they've added $600 to that. And when I was watching the press conference yesterday, um, whatever the woman's name is, that's the commissioner of unemployment for Washington state was saying the minimum amount that anyone will get after now that the cares act has kicked in will be $635 because two thirty five is the lowest amount that you'll get. And then they've added that 600 and 800, $35 is actually a pretty good amount of money to be getting every week. Oh, yeah. That is not bad necessarily at all. Yeah. I mean, that's... I think that's kind of one of those... That's a good amount of money, if I'm going to be yeah. honest. And that was one of the concerns <clears throat> of some of the uh, Republican and, you know, people like Ron Paul, and the, the libertarian folks. That was some of the concerns they had raised while debating the CARES Act, because some people literally would begin to make more money than they did in their regular job on unemployment. Yeah, and I can see that, but this also isn't going to not that you're arguing this, but just to no, I'm not. just to combat that argument. You know, this isn't going to last forever. This extra $600 is not going to last forever. And so they're not going to continue to like this special um, category that they're in, which I think is like pandemic affected, something like that. Like, I don't, they have their own special classification now. Anybody who's applying during the coronavirus pandemic and is because of the coronavirus, the coronavirus pandemic, um, you know, this designation isn't going to exist forever. So they're not going to yeah. be able to just continue to sit on there and collect that $835. Um, also, even if it is more than what they're getting, I would imagine that because they're unsure of that person, because they're unsure of when they're going to go back to work there mm -hmm. and all these businesses are not open, you know, there's less places to spend your money. And so they're yeah. more likely to save a little bit more money than they were before because things are so uncertain now. You know, so yeah. I, I don't think that that's something I would be necessarily worried about, especially if I'm collecting way more than $835 a week as a fucking congressman. Fuck them. <sighs> yeah, and they're not even in session right now. Yeah, I don't uh, want to hear anyone <laughs> making that much money, however much it is, close to $100,000 a year, I'm pretty sure. I don't want to yeah. hear anyone making that much money talking about how $835 is too much money to get every week. That's it's too much, you. dude. It's too much. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting the 250K a year that I am. So, <laughs> Mr. Congressman, 
fuckers. Um, so let me, I wanted to play devil's advocate on one more point Let's on do that. It, it just kind of popped <clears throat> in my head. So I think you could be looking at, you know, depending on, you know, we'll get into all this, you know, as we're now kind of coming online and some of the, the, the numbers are starting to, to tip over the peak and, and fall. We're talking about reopening. The White House put out the plan, which we'll get into later and all that. But given even that, that timeline of, you know, a possible early reopening, fully back on board, everything's back up and running. I mean, you're talking at least two months at this point. Um, you know, more or less. With the phases that were set out, yeah. Um, yes. And, and those, again, those we'll are just get guidelines. To that a little but, bit. but let's just assume that there's a, about a one and a half to two month window to reopen and yeah. get everybody else back out there. That's another month and a half that businesses will have to try to continue on without any income if that's what they're doing or surviving on their, their little income or even restaurants being able to reback open and having to meet social distancing guidelines when they could barely operate before with a packed house, they're not going to be able to make money. And so one of the fears I could see being, you know, let's say just run on for the sake of argument by, you know, some of the more libertarian folks and some of the more conservative folks is that this, this need for financial aid, this, this almost what essentially is looking like a, a, a universal basic income in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that sticking around longer than we would think just given the fact that the, the overall economic fallout is not just going to be when the numbers fall. You know, it's going to take time for people to get back out there. And so there's going to be a hell of a lot more unemployed people for a longer period of time. I could see a system like this staying in place or getting continued for, you know, a while. Right. Because even if you just may not be sustainable, even if you just take some of the small businesses, right, that are taking up Mm -hmm. what's called the PPP now, the payroll protection program, which is the small business loan uh, program that we were talking about last week and the week before, um, that is a forgivable loan as long as you maintain payroll during, you know, the length of the loan or whatever it turns into a grant. There's going to be a bunch of companies that even take those loans that because of the, diminished what is it it's referred to in phase two um of the reopening plan as let me pull up phase two yeah i have it may operate with diminished standing room occupancy where applicable and appropriate um so if they're operating under diminished occupancy they're not going to be making as much money you know Uh, but if Mm -hmm. they're required to maintain payroll you know, even if they're getting that as a loan, they're not going to be making enough money as profit to maintain operations under a diminished standing room occupancy uh, policy. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're not going to make the bottom line balance out as soon as you, you know, open back up. Right. And like you said, even in phase two. If but. you own a small, a 10 seat restaurant, a tiny little cafe or some <sighs> shit, you know, that that's not that's uncommon, cool. especially in areas like where you live, you know, a small restaurant, oh, yeah. that pizza shop and stuff like that, that's down there at point, no point. Like all those yeah. restaurants are super small. Um, the Mexican restaurant down in Keyport, I think there's like a 50 person occupancy there. You know, if you have to operate under 25 people instead of 50 and you have to have everyone in spaced out and there's already a bunch of people not going to restaurants, there's going to be a huge gap of, let me rephrase that, right? 
after things reopen and bars and restaurants are allowed to operate under the under the diminished standing room occupancy, there's going to be a bunch of people not eating out for a long time because they're still scared shitless. So how oh, yeah. many of these small ass restaurants and bars and cafes are going to close because they're not able to make enough money even with the SBA loans? Because right now that PPP program it's tapped out, you know, and they're not able to get it together enough in Congress to get more money pumped into it. So it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. So here's a a business demographic you probably haven't thought of, but think of Paulsbo Main Street. Yeah. All those little mom and pop, you know, cutesy wootsy knickknacky shops. Right. Rumple newskins. Yeah. Dumb people aren't gonna make it. Right. With on their own until they can operate at a hundred percent full capacity. Right. Because they're barely making it there as it is. Or if you only have, if you run it by yourself, right, then you Mm -hmm. don't have payroll that you're paying out. So all that you can collect would be the unemployment that you're getting, which is going to be, I mean, they're still working on programs and software to be able to calculate what your weekly earnings would be if you're a gig worker or you're self-employed or something like that. Mm -hmm. They're still trying to figure out how they're going to decide how much money your weekly wages would be and then add 600 bucks to that. That extra 600 bucks is not going to be enough to operate your business if even if they accurately decide how much money you should be getting every week you know that's yeah. not going to be enough to maintain your business if you still have to pay rent all of your utilities during the meantime you know because none of this has been canceled yet you know that's that's no good there's the moratorium on on you know residential uh, evictions, but I don't I don't know if the same is to be said for commercial business or commercial real estate places. I don't know if yeah. if it's the same for them. And I will bring up a point to just to speak to that. Actually, it was something I don't know if you've been listening to Shapiro lately. He's been really hard for me to listen to the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, but he did bring up a valid point the other day, which was that these. These businesses that we're talking about, right? I mean, once they do kind of start to come back online, you know, it brings up what you were talking about before the uh, – oh, I mean, landlords. Landlords. That's what we were talking about. Sorry, I got off track there. No, you're um, fine. These these commercial landlords. Yeah. Um, what they, – they also do have an incentive here not to necessarily like try to foreclose on people and kick them out. Because looking at the landscape the way it is, as a landlord, you have an existing tenant filled in in your building, right? You probably don't have a line walking out the door right now of future new tenants. You have very little incentive as a commercial landlord right now to start kicking out all these small businesses for not paying the rent. Right. Because who the fuck's going to come in there and fill that spot anyways? Right. Which you should probably take the gamble and try to ride it out the best you can, work with your people, so on and so forth, so that you can both get through this and then try to recoup things on the way in. But, you know, if you have a, a storefront that can pay a quarter of their rent next month, that's better than an empty store where nobody's going to pay rent. Right. Or lease. You know what I mean? So I can see that as a, a very valid point, especially if you're looking at a a commercial landlord, a building manager, whatever it is that actually like understands business and will, will understand that it's a better investment for them just to kind of hang on and, and try to 
go through this versus just start kicking everybody out. But on the residential side, it gets, you know, a lot muddier. Um, but I think that was a really good point that I don't think I've heard anybody ever talk about because landlords historically in, in the media's eyes are always kind of like tyrants who exist to just, you know, suck money out of people's livelihoods. Right. You know, and it's, it's just business, but I think that would be a much smarter business move for all these people is just to, to hang out and go through the pain with your, you know, your occupants of your buildings. And so you guys can try to rebuild afterwards as best you can versus just cutting everybody off and just saying, well, I'm just going to pay for this whole building myself now. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense financially. And There's I don't know. I haven't heard too many stories about that. Very so. few landlords individually um, that would have enough money to sustain those mortgage payments for an extended period of time. You know, oh, you'd yeah. have to be talking about like a property management company for something like that to begin to be feasible, which is not uncommon, especially in an area like this. You know, a project gets set up and just one company owns that whole area and just rents out all the houses. But yeah. it's that still is is not totally feasible, you know. Yeah, because I mean, even thinking like Main Street again, like those, those are old historical buildings that have been around a long time, and I'm sure that it's not like one person right. that owns those strip of buildings. You know, it's, no, no. I have a feeling we're dealing a lot more with, like you said, those building management companies and whatnot. Right, because so know, many. If, of if the- you are a single landlord that owns a couple commercial buildings, like I know, you know, I work with the people that that do that kind of on the side and they've done that their throughout their lives, own a couple pieces of commercial property and that's just kind of their passive income. Right. But you know, they're not looking to kick anybody out. I can tell you that right now because they're afraid of the same thing that I was just talking about. It's like, no, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's kind of weird to think about because we think of our homes as kind of a lot. There's a lot attached to a home. There's a lot of items in the home and all this right. stuff, good stuff. So moving is a, is a big ordeal for any, family unit right but a business to get established in a you know in a location in a building in an office or something like that i mean you're talking a lot of cost a lot of time a lot of you know making signs up and lights and rigging and you know all the infrastructure you have to do on the inside it's 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 not usually a move in place yeah it's not like a plug in and play type of thing and so a lot of these businesses, they have a lot of incentive not to want to just pick up and leave either because they can't necessarily go out and start a new business someplace right. else. So, I mean, again, and this is something I'm going to talk about later, but we're if you paying attention, there are crystal clear examples of how completely interconnected and intertwined and complex a system we have that we just call the economy which is ridiculous on its face to think of it in such simplistic terms, even though it, it is categorically true. There are so many different aspects of this. I mean, for example, we're talking about these stimulus checks and stuff like this. I mean, you know, you're getting essentially two checks from the government now. You're getting a financial aid relief package thing from, you know, what we're, we're commonly calling like the Trump money. Did you get your Trump money yet? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. That's the $1,200 that you're supposed to receive either in the mail or direct deposit um, directly from the IRS. And then you have your unemployment insurance stuff, which is coming. So you're getting two governmental incomes. If you're collecting both point. of those things. If you are. Yeah. In a perfect world. Yeah. But I mean, 
wouldn't it be simpler just to cut everybody a single check? But we don't have the infrastructure set up to do that because there's so many different inputs into the system, all trying to kind of reach down and be able to get access to the citizenry themselves. And right. it's a really, really interesting thing to watch if you can kind of take a step back and look at things objectively. Well, and, and something not be on super the- pissed off about something missing here or something missing here. You just go, oh, this is fucked. The whole economy is it is been teetering on this fucking razor's edge. And it's it's so complicated and interconnected, like it's a miracle that it functions the way it does with the amount of input that it has. And it's it's kind of baffling to watch. And it's it's kind of disheartening to think that like you know, just trying to because right now we're just throwing money at a problem to try to get everybody through. Yeah. It's it's hard to believe that like that is actually going to fix the economic problems. It's just kind of, we're getting by right now. We're getting everybody through the best we can so that we can try to fix the problems later. Like, well, and there's I think no way to that, fix it now. I think something that speaks to that lack of infrastructure on its face um, is the fact that this money came from the IRS. You know, yeah. it's, it's deposit or it's being dispersed through the IRS. It's money passed through the treasury that does then goes to the IRS and is then dispersed to the people. Mm-hmm. It's because they're like, well, how else do we do it? You know, there's not yeah. a better effective way to do it. I mean, partially because this is something we've never done, but I mean, not in a long time have we, because in 2008, they gave out uh, checks, but they also mailed them yeah. all, you know, so it like it people weren't getting direct deposit like they were now. And so yeah, and it was like a it was a small amount that nobody was like necessarily like needing at right. the moment right now. They was just oh yeah, that's cool. It's my three hundred fifty dollar bush check. What's up? Right. Something else we should talk about in regards to this IRS thing, right? And mm-hmm. it's also in regards to that first quick narrative deconstructive thing I did, you know, as soon as yes. the Trump bucks started to roll in, right? As soon as these checks started to roll into people's accounts, I started to see stories and repostings and just posts about people talking about how, <clears throat> excuse me, you had to pay back this money, you know, or that it was yeah. an advance on your next year's tax return. And so this 1200 is just going to be an automatic negative the next time you file your taxes and it's all going to come out of there. And I was so confused by that, like so shocked by it. And I found that really great article that helped me understand that it started to be spread that way because in the language of the CARES Act, it's called an advanced refund, but it's yeah. called that just because you receive it in advance of filing your 2020 taxes. And so yeah. it's not an advanced on your refund. It's just a refund in advance of filing your taxes. And it's only called a refund because it's the fucking IRS giving it out because we don't have a better way to do it. You know, the treasury doesn't have a way to send out checks to people or deposit money into your accounts that says here is your economic impact payment it says money from the irs here's your refund because that's what it's called when the irs gives money out is a tax refund this this is not some elaborate construction to take people's money we just passed a 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus package the money is coming it's being added to the national debt it's not coming out of your taxes the next time around you know like 
It is coming out of your taxes, but in the long run, not right now. That's in the same way that all of the debt comes out of your taxes. This comes out of your taxes. But I thought that was so strange. Like we just talked for two, not just us, the whole nation talked for two, three weeks about trying to pass a stimulus package and for at least a week and a half about $1,200 checks. How the fuck do we not understand that this is part of the stimulus package? It does not make any logical sense for the federal government to stimulate you, the economy and the people with money that you're going to have to pay back in nine months. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. That doesn't help anyone. That doesn't stimulate the economy. That completely defeats the purpose. I thought that was so weird. Yeah, and and it's like, it's in pretty black and white terms, too. You know, this, they're not going to come after this money, period, full stop. There's no, like, well, what if the government did this? Or what if they're doing this? You know, this is all just part of the book. You know, it's all about to start. Revolution is on. That's not how any of this stuff works man these you no politician would sit there and go yeah okay we're gonna give everybody 1200 bucks and then in nine months from now pay me again it's nobody's gonna do that because they're all their asses are on the line when they when they do these kind of things. You can't sign up for a bill like that with that kind of loophole in it. Not to mention there is <clears throat> excuse me, a minimum amount of money you have to make in order to to be made to file taxes. It's like $24,000 yeah. or something like that. And if you make less than that, you're not required to file your taxes every year. But those yeah. people are still getting $1200 checks. How the fuck are you going to get an advanced on a refund you don't get? Like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And that, I think that's just the the vast, you know, conspiracy mindset that so many more people have now. Yeah. Um, you know, when the government tells you to stay the fuck home and stay in your house and you can't go out and live life and all this stuff, it tends, especially after a few weeks of that, it tends to bring out that kind of, uh, you know, don't tread on me mentality and people that you would have never thought of hearing that from before. Well, and I don't know if I said this to you or to someone else, but, you know, when this whole thing started, like maybe two, three weeks into Corona, there was a whole slew of really crunchy granola moms that turned into hardcore libertarians about how their freedoms were being, you know, infringed upon because they couldn't go outside. Like, that's immediately a turn from well you know i think that everyone should just be able to and it was just weird you know it weird well it's it's real different when you stay at home all day and don't go outside for you know sometimes days at a time because you're a new stay-at-home mom or this is you know or if you're just a homemaker itself and you know you find yourself you know not having to go out that much that's one feeling when you always know you can but then when you know that you can't because somebody tells you you can't, all of a sudden now there's this there's this urge. Like, oh, I got to fucking get out there. I got to get outside. Right. I'm, I can't fucking stay here anymore. And I, there's a lot of people getting cabin fever right now. And I can see there's a lot of very interesting societal change. We'll just put it that way. Um, well, and it's like – We've you talked know. about it before, but like the gun thing too, you know? Yeah. How many people went out and the, as soon as this started, they the toilet paper thing happened, everyone started to freak out, and then everyone went to go and buy guns, you know? Yep. That's And then everyone's like, oh, what do you mean a gun store isn't an essential business? And there are people you never cared about guns before who are all fucking up in arms that they got to wait 10 days to get a pistol now. And it's like, this is... 
this is how this works, you know? It's Yeah. Where you been lately, yeah. man? Welcome to the show. This is Welcome the system the club, that guys. you have Come helped construct. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, anti-vaxxers too are one of those people. They're uh they're starting to come out now with the talk of you know, possibly, you know, the new vaccination coming out and how you know, there's all these theories that people are assuming, well, what happens, you know, you're going to have to go get a test to make sure you can go back out and participate in society. You have to get the uh, the vaccination before right. you can go out and do all this stuff again. And, you know, I, I have an article here pulled up from, oh, The Guardian. It's so, okay, it wasn't The Guardian one. Good. It was the uh, NBC News article about one of the protests in texas the uh the liberate protests Mm. and they just have this picture this crazy couple not sporting masks obviously and it says texas will not take the mark of the beast vaccine for covid so on and so forth (laughs) jesus people you're not doing anybody any favors lock up the goddamn anti-vaxxers during this whole thing please we don't need them around let's go hang out inside asshole Fuck. Because I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't think any of those like, you know, tracing program kind of conspiracy theories that you hear rolling around now that Bill Gates is going to be putting chips in the fucking, I've heard so many different. Or that he's the one that started all of this. Oh yeah. Because he's super into that apparently. Yeah. I've also heard. Bill Gates um, is really super into like just trying to stop pandemics period always has been been super into that for decades now and it's kind of amazing it's it's he's got a very long tracker track record of good shit (laughs) why is he now the devil about about 5g you know 5g is at the heart of all of this and it's the expansion of 5g into america that you know from china that helps spread coronavirus well except first of all we've had (laughs) 5g here since like 20 fucking 18 second of all the chinese got blocked out of america like like the moment that trump stepped into office he was like nah fuck that china ain't building shit for towers here so amen yeah i've what the fuck do you mean? It's a fucking cell phone tower. It's a yeah, fucking dude. cell phone tower. It's just a different band of data, which which you probably have on your home Wi-Fi network now. <laughs> right. The only difference here is we're putting, <laughs> we're adopting it to the cell phone Wi-Fi network. You fucks. People it's the are same so shit. Stupid. Do you not want faster internet? Just don't get it from China because they're gonna spy on your ass. Yeah. But five G itself is nothing. These people are retarded. <sighs> It's so you can't, you can't say the R word anymore. We're taking it back, bro. It's retarded. <laughs> it's retarded thinking. That is that is literally it retarded is. thinking. It does it's, not make any sense to con- to try and connect five G cellular internet to the coronavirus or headaches or cancer any more than any other technology that you have strapped to your hand 24 hours a day, you know? Oh, dude. Back in the day, man, like, cell phones gave you brain tumors the minute cell phones came out. Cell phones used to blow up gas stations. That was the theory. It was like, guys, we've had these cell phones now for a long time. We got no evidence that, you know, everybody's getting brain tumors. They're on their phone way more than they ever used to be. People are more concerned about 5G than they are gas stations, and cell phones actually used to blow up gas stations. That's a real thing that happened, and they still can, and people will still talk on the fucking phone while they're pumping gas. It 
drive fucking i yeah. hate it i hate that i i ref, i had to hang up on somebody one time because they called me and they were like oh yeah i'm just pumping gas real quick i was like do you realize you're being an idiot right now I'll co- call me when you're done and i hung up <laughs> cuz it's like it's dumb you create static electricity like that and you got you know the the liquid gas is not the problem here, people. It's the gasoline vapors which catches on fire, so on and so forth. Any one spark. I mean, they have signs all over the gas pumps when you walk up. You know, you're supposed to ground yourself before you touch the goddamn gas pump. Right. I don't know of almost anybody that does that, but like, I don't know. I don't. People are just people are dumb, man. They piss so me let's- off. So let's talk about this, right? Uh, we talked about some conspiracy theories, um, but we also talked about. Crunchy Mom's libertarian personal freedoms, right? So let's talk about the reopening of the states. Because earlier this week, there was a huge conflict. And there still is, I think, being discussed. um, Yeah. Because the president did as the president does and opened his stupid mouth a little bit too much and started talking about, man, I even have like some quotes written on my brown paper. Um, Excuse me. So this was on the 13th and excuse me the president was asked about reopening the economy and president trump said that he had the legal authority to order the states to reopen um it says that the states closed their businesses and schools etc quote unquote because i let that happen um and quote when somebody is president the authority is total um, total authority yeah and so that was on the 13th and then Later, he he was asked again about, you know, whether or not he had the power to close or force the states to reopen. He said, quote, the federal government has absolute power as to whether or not I'll use that power. We'll see. We'll um, see. Yeah. And so so that was the last quote that I have from him that day. Um, Which is simultaneously interesting because that was a huge Huge thing in the media. It was like, oh my God, Trump's an authoritarian. He just, he wants to take control. He says he can take control. Well, and one thing I not thought but was two or three days later, you've been doing everything but getting down on your knees and begging him to seize control of the means of production within the nation to provide supplies right. for people. Right. What well, the, the interesting f- thing are you is- high? The interesting thing is this last quote about the federal government having absolute power came in response to a question about his previous statements that he didn't have the constitutional power to shut down the states. And that's why he – or to shut the country down, right? Oh, yeah. And so it's – it was – so they're questioning him now for going back on what he said before when they were asking him to shut down the whole country and he said i can't do that and so it was a weird reversal on both parts for both parties for the president and for the press that what you know a week before four days before we're asking him why don't you just shut down the whole country if that's what needs to be done and now they're saying what do you mean you think you can force the states to do whatever you want and him you know originally saying well no i can't do that like it's not that's not the right thing to do and now say no i can do whatever i want like it's mm-hmm. i can absolutely do whatever i want it seems not to blame the media but it's a you almost put the idea in his head you know he, oh, he weren't asking him about it and all he, goddamn day <laughs> he I was mean, like this- no i can't do that i can't do that everyone's been telling me in my cabinet that i can't do that and now yeah. the media is asking me why i don't do that well why don't exactly. you what's stopping you you know because they rely on him to to be the opponent, no matter what he, what, no matter which side of an issue he takes, 
they will automatically take the opposite just yeah. because orange man bad. And the problem with this COVID stuff is that it's been happening in such a, a small time frame that you don't have to pay even half attention to notice the immediate reversal two or three days later. And then all of a sudden, you could see it flip back again another two or three days later. And these, and it's important to remember, like the the questions that are being asked that that get these wild responses are questions from the media, the representatives of the media, the people yeah. that are reporting on the stories from CNN, MSNBC, Politico, the Associated Press, NBC, you know, all these major people, those are the motherfuckers in the room actually asking these ridiculous questions half the time and then turning around a week later and then trying to, you know, it's so strategic in its and, and transparent in what it is that they're trying to do here. And well, it's, it's on both sides. You know, there's, oh, there's 100%. Jim Acosta who's trying to make every question sound absolutely horrible. And then there's whatever that brown woman's name is who works for AON or OAN who's oh just constantly blowing the president at every opportunity. And you know so what the it, OAN is, right? Yeah, you said uh, One American Network, right? Yeah. yeah. That was so, the one that I think he wanted to kind of like make the state media. <laughs> yeah. And so it's happening on both sides. They are there 100%. specifically to do one job, and it's not to provide honest information to the American public. That's not way. why they're OAN there. makes Fox News look centrist. It's really bad. It's really, <laughs> really bad. The weird thing about Fox News, right? And this jumped out to me. Earlier this week, when I heard them reporting on the, the biolab, right? Is that Fox News, the channel, I don't love, but the reporter they have in the White House, I think his name is John Roberts, is a fucking yeah. great reporter. Yep. He is an yeah, no, awesome, awesome journalist, amazing White House reporter. One of my favorite people to listen to ask questions because they're always meaningful. They're, it's always a legitimate question that serves to further the topic, you know, and further the conversation. And so yeah. I, when I first found out that he worked for Fox News, I was like, what are you doing there? Like, what, what are you doing working for Fox News? <laughs> but, exactly. But well, I, I mean, that's I why like Shep Smith left Fox News because he was like, all right, this has gotten too much. I got right. to leave. You, you people all have Trump derangement syndrome in, <clears throat> in you know, looking at him in the light. Everyone else is looking at him from Trump derangement, you know, looking at all the evil sides of it. And here I am caught in the middle and I'm getting torn up from both sides. I'm the fuck out of here. Yeah. Peace out. This is and ridiculous. So this whole conversation about presidential power uh, was renewed earlier this week when the president was talking about the amount of appointees that he has sitting in Congress, right? Um, mm -hmm. Hundreds of appointees for judicial spots and... Other positions that we re that we need are in dire need at this moment, you know, and he was talking about that Congress was so partisan, they weren't able to try and get any of these things done. And so he wanted Congress to either start appointing people or to go into recess so that he could use recess appointments to put these people in place. Or yeah. he threatened to force Congress into recess using congression or his constitutional power so that he could do the recess appointments. Um, and so there's been both of these kind of large discussion points over the last week and a half, two weeks that renew 
questions of whether or not the president knows what he can and can't legally do as the president. <laughs> um, because I think we all know the answer to that. It, it just it, kind of assumes and tells somebody, hey, 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 you can't. No, that's can't do that. right. Can't do that, man. Downplay, um, downplay. When talking about forcing Congress into recess, that was on the 15th. And he had a reporter there tell him, like, so you're correct. Constitutionally, you do have the power to force Congress into recess. But do you really think that that is the best thing to be doing at this time? You know, but then earlier in the week when he's talking about forcing the states to do certain things, it it's right there in the Bill of Rights that anything not decided in the Constitution is left up to the states. And so yep. I'm pretty sure that pandemics and quarantines is not laid out in the Constitution, which would leave that responsibility up to the states and the governors, right? And so, yeah, it it's weird, you know. It, he obviously didn't get here by himself. We talked about that the media, in a certain sense, almost led him down this path, you know, of talking about some of this stuff. But there's also a strange misunderstanding the president has of what it means to be president that has been prevalent since the beginning of his administration. You know, there's, I can't think of an example on the spot right now, but it wouldn't take me any longer than a few minutes to run through our episode catalog and find a handful of different times in which we were questioning why the president was talking about doing something he wasn't legally allowed to do. You're right. <laughs> Happens all the time. So, all the time. Yeah, it's it's just a strange place to find ourselves in, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You know, and I mean, anybody after this situation, if anybody decides that they want to run on a platform of any, you know, trying to go for any kind of governmental office where they want the state more and more involved in your lives, I, 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 question the sanity of anybody that's going to jump on board of that considering the shit show we've watched play out over the last month and a half right because i've seen why so many make, people talk yeah. about you know isn't this such a great example of why we need uh medicare for all you know this whole thing isn't this a great example of why we need that right now and i can understand how people would get there but i've also like you said seen the immense shit show that this has been and i don't know that i want the government running something as big as healthcare you know hard no they can't even get everybody in america a goddamn check for $1200 within you know you'd think that'd weeks. be quick and easy pull up the list hit print send them all out yeah done you know, the, They're still you, the longest the thing you have to wait is waiting for the fucking post office to get off their ass and actually deliver the mail. Yeah, but we can't do that. We can't do something as simple as take a shit ton of money from an endless bottomless pit of cash and give it to the people of America. We right. have no concept of how to actually do that. Well, how? I mean, this is such a – and I hate to say it because it's kind of morbid, but this response effort to an actual pandemic – is a way better example of why the government should have less control over our lives than kind of the old standby of like, well, do you want the government to build your iPhone? Right. It's so much better because it's it's real, it's tangible, and people are going to have genetic memory to that for at least a little while. Right. Hopefully, we can run with that. You know, the federal government can't even get all the testing centers in the nation on board to use all of the different testing platforms that we have available. You know, and, there's yeah. all Why this we discussion. Think that we know the government knows where all the locations are. Right. 
They don't. There's no. It's a big ass fucking country. There's a shit ton of fucking people here. They can't they even. Know. They can't even collect all the information on testing. All they have, all they can report, is like the state testing facilities and anybody reporting their information to the CDC or to state testing facilities. Any yep. private hospitals, any anything like that that is choosing not to report for whatever reason, those tests are not being counted. So this is still even the rough number that they're giving is a super rough estimate. You know. It's it's lower be- than what the actual number is, but it's still not an accurate number, you know? Oh, dude. I just got to – sorry. I was totally listening to you, but something hilarious just popped up. <laughs> so, on my computer, I have this platform for gaming called Steam. Yes. And every time one of my friends or something pops online, it gives me a little push notification. Um, an old buddy I used to serve in the Coast Guard with, he's he continually changed his screen name. But now it's the Wuhan Bat Chef. <laughs> I just saw that pop up and I was like, God damn it, that's clap, clap, clap. That is classy. Oh, sorry, that was that was a quick You're aside. Good. But a hundred percent I just anyways, I the government sucks at everything, so why would we expect anything different? You know, they're doing what they can. Dr. Fauci was, I think, pivotal in kind of illustrating what some of that some of the problems are. Um he Immediately, I think it was the vice president had gotten up there and talked about how we had, you know, 3,780,000 tests being complete at this time, which just so everybody knows is a hair over like 1% of the population of the country. You know, they've built 660,000 Abbott ID. Those are the quick, fast testing kit type things. And he wanted to thank Abbott and the company Roche and stuff like that for helping to to get those things online. But as he was talking about that, and he kind of referenced all the times they've talked about, you know, we've we've provided X amount of swabs or X amount of PPE or, you know, testing media or whatever it is to the states, that doesn't necessarily mean that the states got them or know where they're at or how to get them. They've just essentially made them available to the states. Right. So he illustrated this point of essentially, if you think of the government, the federal government is your right hand, you know, and the state government is the left hand. Like we've always talked about that, that problem, you know, the right hand, not finding out where the left hand is or something like that. Right. You know, those things, there's a, there's a gap in between. It's something I, you know, I pointed to earlier is trying to get, something from the federal government level down the chain to the states and then the states distributing oh, to the shit. people. And he really illustrated that that there We're has still been going. Keep going. gaps and they've had they've been it. technical issues and errors, but they're fixing them. They've fixed a lot of them and they're gonna continue to fix them as they pop up and they're investigating. But it just illustrates the point where, you know, Day after day, they're getting up there saying they have X amount of this, X amount of that. The ventilator's going here, blah, blah, blah. And then down on our side in our local news, we're saying like people still don't have the test. How am I supposed to get a test? I can't go get a test because my doctor can't get a goddamn test, blah, blah, right. blah. There's nobody to be able to get a test. And that's just because it's they're they're having this problem of, of getting that funnel down to the actual state level. And then from the state level, they got to figure out what to do too. You know, we have state-run labs and states, um, CDC buildings and stuff like that. But 
how do you get that directly to the hospitals? How do you get those hospitals directly to like your primary care physician? You know, the the doctor's clinic type person that doesn't work at a fucking hospital. Well, and even you know, how if did you all had, those people get those? Even if you had one group federally, right? Like you do, that's handling it. But if we're talking about just distribution of medical equipment, if you have one person to be the point of contact for every state, and they are all in one building with the main admiral, what is admiral? Uh, it's a guy with the white hair, you know, whatever yeah. that guy's name is. So if you have all them in the room with that guy and that's all they're working on all day is working with the governors directly to find out where all that is, that's still 50 people plus whoever is there working for their territories that are all trying to talk to one dude to figure out where everything is to coordinate with the states. That's just a lot of people to yeah. try and work on one thing at the same time, you know? Don, let me ask you a question. Yo. When you worked at the call center, yes. Um, how many calls would you make on average, say a day? Like sixty to sixty-five. And how long on average were those calls? Fifteen. Oh minutes? man, I hey, I was really good at that job because my handle time was really low. Handle time is what they called the amount of time you spend on the phone. So they were mm. super short phone calls most of the time, and that's how I was able to get sixty-five in in like an eight to ten hour workday. Okay, so now take that kind of operating baseline and now put COVID-19 response action on that. And now every one of those people is a governor. Yeah. I don't think those phone calls are going to be 10 to 20 minutes either. No. How the fuck? (laughs) No, especially because all those people I was talking to were representing one household, not states with millions of people in them, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the it's the problem they talk about in tech all the time. It's how do you provide a service at scale? And that's what I think we have a failure with here is we have a system that was probably old as shit. You know, I mean, the last time we had a real life hardcore pandemic was the fucking Spanish flu. Right. Realistically, I mean, like they kind of got a little excited there for the swine flu back in, what was that, 09 or the something H1N1? Like yeah, H1N1. Um, but like even that didn't really ramp up to even where, even close to where we're at now. And so like you have this structure, this bureaucratic structure in place, but nobody, you know, we're not using it all the time. We don't know how well the engine runs. We yeah. don't know how well that, that transmission connects from the engine and then along the drivetrain down to the wheels and do the brakes work. You know, we don't have, and, a governmental bureaucracy is a thousand times more complicated than a fucking car. And yes. A car is complicated as shit already. <laughs> so, I mean, but you get what I'm saying here. Yes. And, and I don't really know any other way to put it, but like, of course there's problems. There's always going to be problems with any kind of bureaucracy period. But if you have a, if you have a need that needs immediate response, there's no way the federal government has any capability of helping you out at all. There's no way they can do that with an immediate response time. Right. About the only thing we could do close to, you know, an immediate response time is fucking wage war. And that's that's got a lag time to it. I mean, we can launch the missiles. We can launch the nukes probably faster than we could do anything else in the country. And that still takes a few hours. Yeah. 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 No, that's still a thing. And that's. It's just because that's the nature of government. I think people have a fundamental misunderstanding of how that is supposed to work. And we just expect everything to be done lickety split. And if, 
Of course not. It's not designed to work that way, which is why it's a bad idea for responses like this to be, you know, to be run top down because there's going to be a massive lag time before any of the stuff gets down to the people who need it right the fuck now. So on that note, I think we should probably talk about the, what they revealed, um, was it yesterday's? When they first revealed the uh, the reopening America again strategy? Two days ago. Two days ago. And then they had a clarification yesterday, I think. Yeah. Very, very – and I will just say this, man. You can tell when the scientists are fucking running the show because there's, there's tons of graphs and charts and fucking PowerPoint is doing double time. And there, it's so much nicer to have an actual presentation versus a stump speech. Or and that's just, actually you – know, I halfway cheated uh, using that yesterday for my quick destruction video was like instead of an article, my source was just all of these different press briefings that have happening because every single day – Dr. Burks is out there with different graphs to show how the sp- like to show the different curves of every state, you know. And so I was talking about how you can see based on the different states that were restricted the quickest and the most that their yep. curves evened out, correlating on the dates when that happened. So you're right. The the actual data that's being provided is excellent from those two people. Yeah, for for as excellent as this type of data can be. We'll right. say that because even the the data that we have, I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a best guess scenario at this point with what we're doing because you know to really have a true baseline of the actual infection rate, the actual severe illness rate, the actual death rate, like you need a bottom line denominator. You need to know how many people have this thing or don't have it, who are showing, who have it, who are asymptomatic, who have it and have gotten over it or, you know, whatever the fuck. There's so many unknowns about this. Like the statistics that we're getting are good. They're solid, but they're only solid for the sampling size of what we can get. Well, so let's talk about that for a second, right? There's been a lot of people renewed discussion about, maybe not renewed, but started discussion about, the possible inflation of death numbers relating to COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of people, I think, that you could attribute it to a lack of understanding. A lot of people that have been talking about, oh, we're seeing people that are dying of heart attack and they're calling it COVID-19. It's like, well, they're calling it that because in those cases, that person wouldn't have had the heart attack if they didn't have COVID-19, you know? In which case, it's easy to attribute that death to COVID-19. And so there's a lot of people who aren't dying specifically of this virus, but they're dying of complications to the virus that relate to some other thing that actually killed them. It's like AIDS. You don't die of AIDS. The AIDS doesn't kill you. It's the common cold you get after contracting AIDS and your immune system. Because you have no immune system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the kind of stuff I think like you said, I've heard that from so many people, man. It's like, well, yeah, this person had a heart attack. Well, yeah, he had a uh, an embolism or whatever. Well, first of all, you don't know that because you have no concept of what you're talking about. You just heard some anecdotal story probably through the grapevine that right. has changed and morphed through 10 different people. But you can assume that that's – you can safely assume that that is certainly happening. The, the cases of pneumonia that kill people all the time from like the flu. Those right. still get contributed as deaths contributed to the flu. Um, it's the same thing here. I mean, if you have, if you drowned because your lungs are filling up with liquid because you have COVID nineteen, you died of pneumonia. 
But well, the pneumonia would have never happened if you didn't have COVID-19. So your COVID-19 is a direct related death. And I feel like they talked about that, like the modern media or like the mayor of the media talked about that when this first happened, you know, that more people aren't dying from the virus. They're dying of complications to the virus. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's that same thing you were talking about, the turnaround time of a week or two weeks, you know, between people's narratives. It, yeah. it was just two months ago in the beginning of this that you were telling people that they weren't dying from the virus. They were dying from something else related to the virus. And now that all these people are dying and a bunch of them are dying from complications to the virus, you don't want to attribute the death to the virus like that doesn't make any sense you know no not even close and i mean it doesn't matter the num like the percentages realistically you know because we know for a fact this virus kills a lot of people right It, it kills a great number of people we've seen the you know really bad scenarios play out in places like italy and new york city and and you know louisiana got looking like it was getting hot real, real quick for a while. And fucking Detroit, you know, a lot of big urban centers are getting hit really hard. And you could see what happens with the, and I hate to like just attribute it to some something so small, but you can see the difference in effect the virus has made in any given state or city based off of when they started to social distance, right? before. Essentially, we what we call now the shutdown and stuff before any of those things kicked off. I mean, if there was a two, three day lag time in some cases, it might have cost an extra 10,000 people's lives, right? Versus, you know, if everybody should, that's why we as Washington State has a, have avoided becoming the New York because we shut down pretty goddamn early, Us, to California, to the point Oregon, where, the West yeah, Coast states, yeah, and which is why our numbers. We, we were the original hotspots and everybody's worried about us. And then all of a sudden the attention shifted to the East Coast because we shut down that shit really, really quick. And we don't all live on top of each other in, you know, insane numbers, which also helps. But, you know, just a couple days of lag time in between, you know, hey, the virus is, is on the loose. It's running around the population. All right, everybody run the fucking side and hang out. A two, three days waiting period could mean the difference between, you know, a thousand people dead and 10,000 people dead. Right. And the, if you, let's kind of, well, I don't, I don't want to transition or anything because we still got the phases to talk about, but if you can imagine what our state would look like if we never did the stay at home order, can can you imagine if everybody was continuing to go out there and just, you know, there'd be some, form of social distancing just because people would be afraid of catching the virus as more people got it. But our numbers would be through the goddamn roof. We would have been like that hospital ship that ended up in LA or whatever, like that would have been here because we would have been fucked. And, you know, it's, it's good that a lot of these things are not, you know, the, the hospital ship in New York, for example, that's not really being utilized. And that's a good thing. Because we didn't have to utilize it, the the, right. field the hospital, military the hospital set centers. up in CenturyLink is getting packed. Yeah, out. yeah, and that's that's good. That's a good thing. I would, I mean, we could talk about this later when we actually talk about the reopening more. But I would caution everybody getting too excited because I don't think it's necessarily over at this point. But you know, we could have a pretty 
heavy bounce if depending on how things go forward. But like the good news is that we didn't need any of that stuff. That's good. And that's why you talked earlier about like us sending, what was it? 400 ventilators or 4,000 ventilators out because we didn't 400. Yeah. 400. And, and other people do New York were, was asking for tens of thousands of ventilators a couple of weeks ago. And now they're like, yeah, we definitely don't need those. We we're starting to get everything under wraps. We're good to go. Right. But it's, you know, they're originally saying that I'm not going to give Cuomo a bunch of shit for asking for 40,000, 30,000, however many it was, ventilators, because at the time, the trend was going through the fucking roof and he was pissing himself going, we're all going to fucking die. Yeah. I need all of those things now because if this doesn't slow the fuck down, we're going to be screwed. We're boned. Yeah. But then people were doing what they do. New York City's been fucking empty for weeks now. And yeah. It's coming down, which is good. And so I just, I feel like there's a lot of heat in, I will say on the president's side, it's probably, he's doing an okay job at not like talking too much shit about states, you know, asking for too much and they didn't need it. You know, he is doing a little bit of it because it's well, impossible I'm gonna, for him not to, but. I'm going to push back a little bit on that, Ryan, because okay. it was just last week, I think, that he was making insinuations that there were states and hospitals that were hoarding supplies. Um, and so let me see, because I have, I have notes for it here. So this is just why he shouldn't talk anymore. Um, can we do like the old days just cut his tongue out can we do that he can still be president if he can't talk right he tweets work. <laughs> <laughs> we could just do the tweet thing and then we could all funnel him and we could all block him done no more presidential communication we don't need that oh Let's that's funny see sorry mm. I do have it here that's right. I, I brought up something from the past. You got to dig back through them paper notes. Bro. It was on the 30th of March, actually. Damn! Um, oh, this is that he again. Okay, so it was on the 29th of March um, yeah. that he said that he wanted Cuomo and the other governors to see why they needed personal, pro- why the need for personal protective equipment had jumped so sharply. He referenced one hospital in particular requesting from 10,000 masks up to 300,000 masks. Um, and he said, quote unquote, it might be worse than hoarding. Um, he says a general told him when he first got into office, quote unquote, we have no ammo. Um, and oh, so God, that's, I remember <laughs> this, that. I yeah, remember that's when the now. whole thing started about we don't have any ammo. Uh, you know, yeah. a general told me my first week, we don't have any ammo. Um, I remember him saying this during the press conference a couple weeks ago because I was like, God, right. why would you bring that up again? You yeah. And so idiot. then it. York hospitals were doing something fishy with the personal protective equipment um, based on a conversation he had with an executive from a company, uh, one of the production companies who was saying that it was weird that a hospital would be asking for this many supplies. And so there was two or three days in a row that Donald Trump insinuated that there were hospitals around the country that were hoarding personal protective equipment or reselling it for a profit. So this is because he he likes to talk about things that he has no concept of. And if I'm going to remember right, it was like a week or so later, a few days later maybe, that they realized that, oh no, it was just a problem in our fucking supply chain because all those deliveries that they had been making that the hospitals needed, they never knew existed because they got shipped to some fucking warehouse and then the left hand didn't talk to the right again. Right. And they just were like, well, yeah, they're over there. Let me – I'll go show you. Oh, here they are. Sweet. We can get the shit out now. Done. Right. 
there was probably a lot of that going around, especially in the early stages in, <clears throat> in New York City when because New York City was the first city to really be like, all right, we need some backup from the feds yeah. ASAP yeah. now. And I think they got a lot of direct support from that. I don't think we've necessarily been in that that dire straits yet. You know, who knows if we will, but um but yeah, I guess yeah, he's just an idiot, man. Why can't we just again just get him to shut up and things would be yeah, it's so not much good. more smooth. It's really not good. And we got four more years of this shit, man. It's looking four like four more it. years of this. It's we may or may not talk about that later, but just real, real quick and dirty. Bernie Sanders dropped out and endorsed Joe Biden. So now Joe Biden is the presumptive candidate for 2020. But um, I want to talk about the the actual reopening guidelines, if now is a good time. Let's do it. All right. So they unveiled these a couple days ago. And it's a it's a it's a very strange way they they tried to explain it. These are it's a gated kind of throttling um, of a reopen, right? It comes in three phases now, which I th- I'm hoping is the final number because I swear to God, two days ago it was five. I Maybe and I remember four. it being four or five. Yeah, yeah. So and which is fine. It's whatever. It they're all just guidelines, anyways. The governors, you know, for us on the West Coast, the three governors, Washington, Oregon, California, have all um, entered into a pact that they will be reopening in a very similar kind of, uh, you know, hand-in-hand fashion. So, whether or not they adopt these guidelines, I don't know. But I would imagine they will. Um, So, anyways, the criteria, there's these three phases. And to enter into phase one, you have to meet these these very specific criteria. And then once you're in phase one, as I read through the criteria – once you meet those criteria in phase one, you can move into phase two. You meet the criteria again, you can move into phase three, and then we're boom, 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 we're off to the races. So the criteria here are broken down into three categories, symptoms, cases, and hospitals. Um, symptoms, we need to have a downward trajectory of influenza-like illness reported within a 14-day period and a downward trajectory of co- COVID-like syndromatic cases reported within a 14-day period. So, influenza-like illness and COVID-like syndrome have to be on a downward trajectory for 14 days. Um, Cases, a downward trajectory of documented cases within a 14-day period or a downward trajectory of positive cases as a percent of total tests within a 14-day period. So, that's kind of monitoring that 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 curve going down right mm-hmm. and so and then hospitals um hospitals need to treat all patients without crisis care and they need to have robust testing programs in place for at risk healthcare workers including emerging antibody testing now that's those are the criteria so you have to have 2 weeks basically you got a clean history for 2 weeks and then you can enter into phase one. Apparently, they are states at this point. The vice president said the other day, they are states that that have the testing ca- capacity to enter into phase one as soon as they 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 start the, the opening process. And so you do that. You have those 14 days of clean health. One, you know, the downward trajectories are all good. So you go into phase one. And then in phase one, um, for... It's broken down into like individuals and employers. These are the things that kind you know, the the guidelines that will exist for individuals and employers throughout phase one. 
for individuals, all vulnerable ind- individuals should continue to shelter in place. Members of households with vulnerable residents should be aware that by returning to work or other environments where um, distancing is not practical, they could carry the virus back home. Precautions should be taken to isolate the vulnerable residents. Um, all individuals, when in public, parks, outdoor recreation areas, shopping, whatever, so on, should maximize physical distancing from other social settings of more than 10 people where appropriate distancing may not be practical, should be avoided unless precautionary measures are observed. So we're kind of stay away from me in phase two. Exactly. Um, And then avoid socializing in groups of more than 10 people in circumstances do not readily allow for appropriate physical distancing, i.e., uh, receptions and trade shows. So, and then a minimum non-essential travel. So you still can't really, you know, travel unless it's hundred percent essential. And then your employers on that side, um, they should continue to encourage teleworking. So working from home, if possible, return to work in phases so that you have a reduced population of people at the at at work, you need to close the common areas at work where people congregate, kind of like you know you know the office kitchens and stuff like that, break rooms, all that. Minimize non-essential travel again, and strongly consider special accommodations for persons who are members of vulnerable populations. So that's just in phase one. Shit, right? so stay away kind from of- me until phase two. Oh, dude. (laughs) Yeah. And so then again, once you enter into that and you're doing those things, you have to have another clean bill of health. We're just going to call it um, for another two weeks before you can think about entering into phase two. Right. Because they've been very clear that if you're in a certain phase, if you're progressing through these phases and there seems to be some type of uptick or resurgence, they'll kick you right back down to phase one or phase zero. You know what I'm saying? Shut it back down. Yeah. Yep. And that's and where so, Trump said that's when the presidential power thing comes into play. It's because he said that, oh, well, you know, we're going to keep watching. We're going to let them do what they want. I can do whatever I want, but I'm going to let them do what they want until yeah. I see them doing something that I don't like. And then I'm going to step in and I'm going <laughs> to kick them down to whatever phase they yeah. should be in. And if I don't like what they're doing, um, we're going to come down hard. We're yeah. Come down hard on them. Okay, exactly. buddy. You try that. <laughs> it's not working out so well right now. So anyways, phase two, individuals, all in. Uh, vulnerable individuals should continue to shelter in place, members of households, so on and so forth. So even in phase two, you're still hanging out inside if you're a member of that vulnerable population, which depending on what state you're in, like our state or who your employer is, like if you have a pregnant wife at home, she is considered a vulnerable person, which means you can't go to work because your wife's pregnant. Right. Um, My friend Trent, he has asthma, works in the shipyard, hasn't been to work in five weeks. Oh, dude. You remember uh, homeboy Caleb and Jordan? It's the same thing. Jordan's pregnant right now. And they're like, yep. Sorry, dude. Nope. You go home. You're getting – he still gets paid. He still gets all his benefits. He gets all that. But because his wife is pregnant, they said, no, you need to be home, man. You can't be at work. That's pretty sweet. All right. Cool. And still get paid? That's dope. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Um and then moving on from there, all individuals when in public should maximize social distancing again. And then non-essential travel can resume during phase two. That's really the only thing that gets upped on the individual level. Employers um, encourage continue to encourage teleworking, close the common areas, and consider special accommodations for vulnerable populations. So there's really not that much different going on in phase two. They're talking schools and organized use af- activities can reopen. Uh, 
visitation for senior care facilities, hospitals should still be prohibited. Large venues are still prohibited. Um, elective surgeries can resume on, you know, kind of a, a doctor approval basis. Gyms may be reopened as long as they have strict physical distancing and sanitation protocols in place. Bars may operate with diminished um, standing room occupation where social distancing can be, you know, can be done. So then you do all that for another two weeks. And if you're still on the downward spiral, you can go into phase three. The large venues you said can operate under moderate physical distancing. Yes. Right. Moderate yeah. physical distancing. And Did so I say sit close? Sit-down dining, movie theaters, sporting venues, stuff like that. So that's yes. phase two is when we're talking about like a possible reopening of baseball, football, like a soft reopening, you know, where they yeah. have half occupancy or, you know, maybe even less inside of the stadiums. Um, yeah. I know that in Taiwan, they've opened their baseball season, but there are no fans in the stadium. It's only the workers and the players. And so they've uh-huh. put mannequins and cardboard cutouts in the seats to make it look more natural on tv jeez by taiwan do you mean china no sir taiwan (laughs) straight up this ain't the who Uh, taiwan i know and i want to talk about who later too by the way um because that's been pretty hot so phase three we're moving in um individuals with vulnerables uh you know the vulnerable individuals can resume public interaction but should practice physical distancing minimize exposure to social settings where distances may not be practical unless precautionary measure observed low risk populations should consider minimizing time spent in crowded um environments so there you're talking about like how much viral load you're putting on yourself potentially if any kind of virus is out there Right. And it's important to note, I think, just because this is another theory that I'm hearing consistently, it's important to note that that is that way because this whole herd immunity thing that so many people have been talking about is a really great theory and works really great in a lot of circumstances. But we don't know for certain that that is going to work this time around. So anyone, you know, that's they're talking about that. I think it's in Sweden that they're doing that. And they're seeing a shitload of people getting sick and a shitload of people dying. And that's because this is doesn't seem to be something. Something that works quite like that. And so you need to keep everyone away, you know, until we figure out how it works. So it's, it's a great idea, but we don't know for certain that once you get it, you're not going to get sick again in two months, you know? Yeah, exactly. It, it could be a year. It could, you could never get it again. It could be a year until you get it. Like it is the flu. You're usually good for about nine months or a year, or it could be two weeks. It could be two months. It could be a day until you're susceptible to getting it again. We don't know that, you we know? Have no concept. We've also whatsoever. seen it jump already once. You know, we've seen it mutate once already, uh, to be able to be zoomorphic oh, or whatever it's up. called. We've seen it jump. And, yeah, we've, We've seen it jump once already, or we've seen it mutate once already, um, and so we don't know that it won't happen again. You know, we watched it oh, morph yeah. to be zoomorphic to to move to people, um, and so it's possible that it can mutate again. And you know, that's the thing about the flu is it kind of fucks itself around every year, and that's why it's they recommend getting a flu shot, as we only have so much of a picture of what the next flu virus is going to look like you know and so we don't know that this isn't going to do the exact same thing and just because you have antibodies for this particular virus next year there could be covid 19 slash 20 you know slash 20 b or whatever that gets you sick twice as bad just because you had the first one you know yep it's 
there's no way to know. And that's, I think, just on a – because that kind of speaks to like the phases, right? So the last little bits like those uh, visitors at senior centers and stuff could resume. Um, Those who interact with residents and patients must be diligent regarding hygiene. Large avenues can – um, operate under limited physical distancing protocols. Gyms can reopen, you know, as long as they adhere to their sanitation protocols, all this good stuff. And bars may operate with increased standing room occupancy when uh, applicable. And so there's, so basically those restrictions just kind of get looser and looser and looser as you go down. So now, all that being said, that is operating on the assumption that we have a good handle on this virus not really changing much anymore with the limited data that we have on it we're assuming that it's as long as it stays the same we can follow this plan and we should be okay on the other side now in reality we have no concept like you just spoke to of whether or not once more and more people get back out there if there's going to be another spike And within that spike, is it going to be the same exact virus? Is it going to be a mutated form of the virus? Is it going to be a uh, a minimized version of the virus? Is who knows? We have no concept of what we're dealing with because this is a novel coronavirus. This is a new virus that nobody's ever seen before, except you know, I guess in the labs or some shit. Um, In the bio lab. In the bio lab, which you know, who knows. Who, who knows if we're just looking at it or playing with it or whatever. I mean, it, it it sounds like at this point now that they've pretty much narrowed it down to it definitely came from a bat. The genomes are exactly the same, I guess, as the one that they find in, in bats. So The it way that like it's that being reported it. by Fox News, right? And I think it's Fox just News. important to know this. Um, Fox News is reporting that – this virus did come out of the biological research facility in Wuhan, and then mm-hmm. there was super lax safety measures that led to this happening, and that someone there was working on this virus and became infected by the bat, went home and infected their partner, and then went into the wet market and exposed other people there. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. And which, I would like to point out, is what I said happened from the very beginning. I know. I was just, I wasn't going to give you that bone, but you called that shit like a month ago, dude. I would like to point that out. Uh, well, and that was back when – where did you get that from? Do you remember? No. That was – I I don't remember it was like a, where I It was like I a theory at one point. Because right? it was before we even did the live show or the live stream yeah. that I had read about the biological research facility down the road from the wet market. So th- I probably read about that before we even had a case in America. I'm pretty sure. Because I think Denzel was here that yeah. time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that when he was there, I said that that was my personal theory on it. And I'm pretty sure the show before that, before I that. had said that I'd read it. Yeah. But I wasn't personally endorsing it. So but that was my thought at the time. But because of the the way that we do our show, you know, I wasn't yeah. going to promote a theory I didn't have evidence for. That was just like my gut feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. Now that there's more reporting behind it, I feel confident telling people that not only is this what I personally subscribe to, there seems to be 
traction and actual evidence supporting this theory now that it, yes. I'm not saying it was on purpose because it sounds like the way this is being reported it was a total accident China's just fucking around and not being as safe as they should be with fucking biological <laughs> weapons right well um, remember like their safety answer to slave labor manufacturing is nets outside the window so they can't kill themselves <laughs> right Foxconn let's, let's right. not remember yeah let's not forget Foxconn that yeah that, yeah that don't put it past China to cut some fucking corners. Yeah, and I guess there was even reports on that facility either last year or the year before um, mm-hmm. when we had people that went and looked at it that were like, no, 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 this is dangerous. Like, this is not being run as safely as it should be with what they're working on. And lo and behold, that seems yeah. to be what happened. I want to find um, – there's this – Tweet. I th- I want to say it was a tweet from uh, a guy named Lex Friedman. Um, you ever heard about him? I think he's on. He makes the Joe Rogan circuit every now and again. I've he's definitely heard that name in before. AI yeah. and stuff. Um, and I'm trying to remember exactly what he said about this, but it really got me thinking. It really kind of put things in perspective. Um, so I'm just going to paraphrase since I can't find the exact tweet. But you know, essentially, he says that you know. We, when Trump talks about like fighting a war against an invisible enemy or something like that, like that's very, very, very true in a sense that I don't think most people kind of grasp. But on any given day, every single mammal on the face of the planet might be carrying or interacting with, you know, a hundred thousand different viruses out there in the globe that could potentially morph and kill us, right? Um, And when you're talking about like insects and invertebrates and and stuff like that, it's like a thousand times more than that. And so we as a species are in a global war with these microscopic organisms called fucking viruses that are literally on the planet to try to kill us. Yeah. And that has been a thing our entire existence as a species. And to not think of it in those terms and understand that this is a constant thing that we are always fucking with. And it's not just infections and different things like that. You know, we have, we've talked a little bit about the the problem with like overusing antibiotics. And so that certain bacteria can grow immunities to them and then you we're know, misusing them. Oh, a hundred thousand percent. You know, doctors just throwing antibiotics at a patient because, like, well, I don't no, know. No, I man. mean, you like, know, like, people for- people only taking half their dose, you know, like half a cycle. Oh, yeah. That a lot of Not people even- will get three weeks or two weeks of an antibiotic and then stop taking it after a week because they feel better. And then the same thing comes up, you know, a year later. And the mm-hmm. antibiotic doesn't work as good because this this virus or infection or whatever that yeah. you allowed to grow is now partially resistant because it only got hit with half the dose, you know? Yeah, you, you gave it a, a fucking vaccination. Right. That's what you did. You vaccinated that infection. And so, like, all these measures and things, they they feel real extreme. They are really extreme. I don't think there's any way you can get around that. I mean, necessary is a thing that we can throw around either way. But either way you put it, I mean, they are socially extreme because this is not normal. It, it you know we're never going to i don't think we're ever going to get back to a true normal as we think of it as long right. as this kind of stuff stays in our memory but um you know guidelines are what they are and these things might seem extreme and a slow opening and there's real life 
pain that is caused by this stuff now and it's going to get worse before it gets better as far as the economic pain but like there's real life ramifications for what we're doing here but at the same time do you want do you still want to exist in the future we should probably do these things now you know i mean it's better to have the way i'm looking at this now in the the global war that is the human species versus you know the category of viruses out there that'll murk us overnight <laughs> you know this this was a this was a shot across the bow like this was not a full blown attack or a war whatever it is i'm like this was a shot across the bow this let us know that if we are not very fucking careful moving forward the next time this happens because it will happen again whether or not it's a coronavirus or a strain of influenza or something um it could this could have been devastating. It could have. And I think we got severely lucky that it didn't. But, you know, to the extent that an extreme, you know, 50% of the population dying or something like that. Right. Like, that's not unthinkable in the world of viruses. And so, if this has illustrated anything, it's that we are not prepared for any kind of pandemic at scale, period. It's just there's no way the the lag time that's involved, the the way our society reacts to the kind of like the the necess- the social necessities that we have to do to kind of like take cover while this fucking battle's going on, staying inside your houses and socially distancing and and just preventing the reproduction of the virus because that's all we're doing. We're just mitigating its reproduction as much as possible. Yeah, that's what social distancing is. If it can't latch on to another person, it'll die with you. And then, you know, either your body's going to kill it or it's going to kill you. And then it's going to die along with your body. Right. And so that's, if that, if that's our only tool in the fucking armory for this, it is what it is. But like, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. And one day, whether or not it's in our lifetime or not, it will be worse than this. And if we can't get our shit together and be, be able to respond to it not only on a fucking governmental level and an infrastructure level but on a societal level and be okay with it because otherwise we fucking die i don't know i just don't think you could you could you could put more what's the right word i'm looking for it it doesn't this illustrates the importance of viral education well, I think that. we had a lot of conversations like that personally, not you and I, but with other people personally when this first happened, you know? Yeah. As people started definitely. to get laid off from work or had to start working from home or, you know, when we had to switch around our live show again, you know, people mm-hmm. who are being personally inconvenienced by this, that are not happy they had to stay home, not happy they had to work from home, do all these other things. Oh, now the bars are closed. Now this is closed. Now I can't do this. Now I can't go golfing. Now I can't get my fucking hair cut. Now I can't get my nails done. Now I can't do this. You know, it yep. sucks. Like it sucks equally for everyone but if this is what it takes to save the lives of your grandparents you know there's all these people mm-hmm. talking shit about oh it's so stupid to see all these people wearing masks in the store and wearing gloves in the store when i go to the store i wear gloves and i wear a mask not because i'm afraid of dying because jordan's grandma lives upstairs and she could yeah. fucking die you know it's not 
it's the, it's the same idea as the vaccines, you know? It's not about you. It is not about you getting this and us. not dying. It is about the people who cannot get the vaccine that could die if you don't do this, you know? Yeah. It's about the people who cannot fight off this virus who could die if you don't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it more fun, but it makes it easier to understand, you know? At least it should. If you're looking at it in an objective way – and given it the actual consideration that it deserves, then it should make more sense, you know? Yeah. And I think I found a, a better way to phrase what I was trying to say. So, I think early on, really early on, and Dr. Fauci said something to the effect of, you know, if it looks like – if at the end of this we look back and say, yeah, we overreacted, that that's a good thing, Right. And I think right now, you can certainly have a conversation about whether some of the measures that we've taken and all this stuff is an overreaction, looking at how many people it would have killed in the end, and you put everything on balance, might have been overreaction, whatever, right? You can think that as much as you want, but the importance of going through this and having the And if it's not happening, that's a serious problem. But having the societal realization that we cannot handle a pandemic as a society, we have proven that through this COVID-19 pandemic crisis. We've proven that we can't handle it on a societal level and a governmental level. Exactly. If the original original death projections projections were true, 2.2 million people dying in the United States, you know, 1% of the population – Think of a hundred people you know and pick one of them that you want to be dead, you know? Yeah. And and as we all know, statistics don't ever work that way. There's gonna be you'll you'll be the one guy that has like five of your close friends and family die. Right. And then right. and the overall numbers will still be one in a hundred. One person has no people they know die, and one person has half the people they know die. Exactly. And that person could be you. And that's but what I'm really getting at here is that we have a clear example now that we on a governmental level and on a societal level are not prepared to handle a pandemic. No. Especially a pandemic if it was fucking super goddamn serious and everybody was dying in the fucking streets. You know, instant social dissolvement and total anarchy would incur. It would be a fucking pandemic apocalypse movie. Right. If you You had to wear a mask every time you left the house or else you would get sick, you know, how are people going to act then? Exactly. And that we're just really fucking lucky that that didn't happen. And it could have, I don't know, like who knows what the actual numbers are because again, there's no way we're ever going to be able to test everybody and find out if everybody ever had the virus. Period. Well, and we're you just know, lucky just no this way. was mainly only killing sick people, you know? Yeah. If it was indiscriminate and was just killing randomly, way more people would be concerned. But yep. there was that oh, the air of invulnerability too. for young people and anybody who didn't feel like they were vulnerable, you know? They're yeah. just willing to do whatever the fuck they wanted still. And on top of that, we have no clue what the long-term ramifications of getting COVID and coming out of it just fine. Right. We have no idea what those long-term consequences are going to be. Maybe everybody that got COVID and was just fine and moved on with their life or whatever, didn't even necessarily go into ICU. Maybe you're going to have some kind of fucked up lung problem in 20 years and you Maybe you're going to grow another person in your lungs. Maybe. That would be dope. We could find out some – we'll just <laughs> have alien dope. everywhere. Yeah, this is alien happening. 
Except instead of happening like a day where the alien bursts out of your chest, it'll be 20 years. <laughs> I figured it out. Alien Just a long gestation Done. period. Yeah, super long. So that's really, you know, good, bad, overreaction, not overreaction, whatever the case. We know now that we're not – we are woefully unprepared for anything of any real seriousness. Yeah. I We'd be fucked. So I mean, let's we'd talk, already be fucked. So let's talk about this because this partially led to America's inability to be prepared, right? The oh, World yeah. Health Organization in China, right? And we can we can end on this if that's all right with you. Yeah. Um. So the World because Health the, Organization earlier this week, the huh. president announced that what? No, no, no. You're good. Oh, you're going exactly where I was thinking. Oh, perfect. Earlier this week, the president announced that he was going to temporarily suspend the funding the United States provides to the World World Health Organization while there was an investigation done into how they handled the coronavirus situation and the information coming out of China. Um, and there is, there is no doubt um, that guy. the World Health Organization essentially parroted a lot of Chinese propaganda when this first came out. Um, and so the president took personal umbrage with it because a lot of it, not a lot of it, but some of it was his personal strategy, uh, like regarding closing off China and Wuhan from coming to America, closing off, uh, you know, European travel, things like that. Things that were questioned by the World Health Organization at the time, but turned out to be the right thing to do. Um, yeah. And all while they're doing that, the World Health Organization, like I said, questioning, you know, those decisions and then saying, uh, f you know, there's not even any evidence that it can jump to people. And, you know, applauding China for the way that they handled the Wuhan uh, virus and the one representative from the World Health Organization unwilling to even acknowledge Taiwan as an existing country other than anything other than a Chinese province. Um, yeah. Yeah, there, there's – and really all this is is just another illustration of what is wrong with China and the problems that they've had. You know, we've talked about the NBA and Disney and all these massive companies that Pooh do bear. a shit ton of business over there. And – you know, will essentially bow to their totalitarian, dictatorian, communist ways just to make some money. And the WHO is not immune from that, you know, and except, except for the fact that this is not an entertainment or sports venue. This is the World Health Organization, which the the big problem that I'm finding from this, this you know, kind of the, uh, the counter narrative to um, – Everybody being so offended that Trump is defunding, you know, the WHO um, is the defense of him saying that the WHO is fucked. We should just get out of the WHO. It's all garbage, just like the UN is and all this good stuff. And I don't – I think that is the absolute wrong tack to take. The WHO is a good organization to have because they do work – all around the globe, everything from Ebola to SARS to MERS to, you know, all these viruses that could, if not contained and monitored, could fucking wipe out, you know, all of human existence as we know it. And it's a good thing for them to be around, regardless of whether or not there are problems within the organization. And so, yes, the WHO has a problem, but it doesn't mean, you know, I... 
I got really stoned last night when I was watching I rewatched that press conference, the yeah. question and answers part, because you do it sober once and then you do it again, just the Q and A portion. You do it it's again. It's a whole new world. Stoned and it's fucking crazy. It's awesome. But it it made me it had I just had this sudden realization about who Trump is as a person. Donald Trump grew up a rich kid. Mm-hmm. And is the he is a rich kid's parents. The only disciplinary, you know, and he's a businessman on top of that, right? But like the executive kind, not the actually on the boots yeah. kind. So the only discipline that he knows how to put out is cutting money off. Cutting mm. the fucking money off. My kids misbehave, I cut the fucking money off. Yeah. You know, if China misbehaves, I cut Cutting the fucking the money, money off. off. Word. If the WHO or Word. the UN or anybody misbehaves, cut the fucking money off. Yeah. No, that works. That's the only thing he knows how to do. Yeah. And so nobody should be surprised that he is doing the only form of, of discipline that he knows how to do. So right. Because I don't think there's maybe any doubt that's a that good the thing. timing may not be appropriate. Um, yeah. But that there is, like you said, there's obviously some type of problem. There's obviously oh, yeah. an issue with what's going on here because the the World Health Organization, uh, from what I understand, has a history of being gentle with all governments because contributions, fiscal contributions are 100% voluntary. So no yeah. country is required to provide money to them. So they're always looking to maintain those donations. But it does not service the rest of the world for them to be blowing the Chinese people in order to maintain not even the Chinese, the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party. It does not behoove the rest of the world for them to be blowing the Chinese Communist Party, uh, in order to try and maintain funding, you know? Oh, yeah. 100%. And you kind of almost can't, you don't want to necessarily, f- no, you can't fault them because it's fucked up. You need to understand that. The in the eighties and in the seventies and and you know th- throughout the sixties what the the Cold War period we had one adversary in the Cold War and it was Russia yeah right the only reason China wasn't necessarily that big an advocate at or an adversary at that point because China was basically a third world country in the eighties right and in the seventies you know it was it has no resemblance to what it is now. But we need to understand that whether, you know, Russia, as far as like an adversarial point, is still an adversary to the United States because they still try to fuck with our elections. They still try to hack us all the time. They, you know, they're they're out there doing shady shit, hitting people with fucking nerve agents and all sorts of messed up shit. Giving right? money to our enemies and shit. Yeah, 100%. Fighting us in the Middle East is an exact... You know, we've talked about Russia's involvement in the Middle East, all you know, a ton. Fuck so, Russia, but, fuck the Saudis. But what we need to understand is we're we're in a new Cold War with China. Yeah, China is making moves in the South China Sea, just as they always do when they have an example. They try to push their fucking weight around. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been talking about the goddamn Belt and Road Initiative they've been doing all over Europe and the Middle East and all the yes. Asian countries. Yes, because they're trying to. It's this. It's essentially a modern day spread of communism, except right. it's 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 this weird kind of quasi capitalist authoritarian communism thing that that modern China is. Right, but they're systematically spreading their influence all throughout the globe, and if our entertainment industry and if all of our institutions and all this, you know, the the international institutions, everybody continues to bow to fucking China. 
all you're doing is making it harder and harder for anybody to actually push back against what they're doing for 100%. God's sake. 100%. And, you know, the example you talked about with that representative from the WHO just compl- just freaking the fuck out and shutting the stream off when he was asked about Taiwan and he could not admit over the internet in an interview that ha- that Taiwan even existed, existed that the period. country existed because in the Chinese communist party Taiwan does not exist Taiwan is nothing more than say a province of greater China. Right. And it's the same it's the same problem that has been leading to all those post or the pro democracy movements stuff in Hong Kong. China is one China. That is the way they think of it. They have a one China policy. There is no other it's just you just are in China. Period. And even if you're not, if we take your shit over, guess what motherfucker, you're in China. Kind of like the goddamn Soviet Union used to be. You could be in Crimea, but no, you're still part of the Soviet Union. That's you were a Soviet. It's it's there's no difference in what's going on except the the battlefield has shifted from the this this kind of cold espionage, you know, old school noir style espionage and uh, a military race and you know space race and you know dick measuring context. Except they were backed up by nukes. Except now it's shifted over to this kind of technology and economic based um race you know you're trying to outbuy everything you're trying to own everything you're trying to steal as much property as you can so you can be the one the one global superpower that essentially controls the world which they kind of already do monetarily oh certainly so it's, monetarily it's very certainly. important if not before then especially now that you're like you're talking about the belt and road initiative they owned america before and now that they've invested yeah. all through the middle east all through europe and through the rest of asia i know china has their hand in i'm gonna say close to half the countries in the world all all over africa china's been all over africa for fucking decades forever dude and i will say it is amazing the things i follow one of these uh official chinese representatives on twitter oh really post all these video because he's i think he's one of the directors of the 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 belt and road initiative and yeah. so he posts all these videos and stuff on twitter and these pictures of all these massive freeway projects they're doing all these crazy infrastructure things and they are gorgeous i will say that and they're highly efficient and they are Modern and, you know, top tier quality stuff. But that's bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> In a way, right? It, it is bad because if you get to a point one day where China has enough leverage, leverage, it doesn't matter how strong and mighty our military is. If tomorrow they can go up there just like Trump does and shut the money off or call in all of our, all of our loans, our entire economy would tank Overnight, there is no war because America doesn't exist as a power anymore because there's no fucking money anymore. Right. That's the danger to this. And again, we're lucky enough through kind of gleaning this COVID-19 response and because it popped off in China, like most of the other major pandemics have over the years, it, it illustrates that China is a fucking problem. And it needs to be dealt with and in some capacity. I'm not going to tell you I know how to do that. I can tell you it's not through a goddamn shooting war. But right. something has to happen because if 
if China, with their laxed whatever the fuck they're doing, if if this did outbreak from a Chinese biological laboratory, what's the next thing to leak out? You know, they've, you know, what's, they have, they do not have the same kind of safety standards that we do. They don't have the same standards of human rights, obviously, when you can just forcibly lock up everybody inside their home and maybe disappear some 200,000 people. them out of their homes. Dude, it's insane. We all saw the videos when it was happening. Like, but the WHO is going to say, hey, good job, guys. Good job. Yeah. No, that's when you say, yeah, I don't know the tact that you should take, whatever, if you're a fucking the president of the WHO. But, you know, it's not to just kind of go along with whatever China says it's, when the whole world yeah. is at stake. It's not to it's not to not acknowledge the existence of Taiwan. That's not the right move. God, no. No. Someone, you need to take a fucking stance there. And so I think that in summary, right, like, let me know mm-hmm. if you think this is a good way to to summarize it. Um, I'm just really <clears throat> glad I got my China rant in for today. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, the recent happenings with the World Health Organization in regards to China is a microcosm of what could happen if China's global dominance is allowed to continue. I don't think you could put it any better. That was perfect. That's oh. the headline. You're Ballin. a fucking baller. I Chinese think the New York Times should hire you to do their headlines so they can actually get their reputation back. Boom. <laughs> Nailed it. it. Hire me. Uh, $835 dude, was... a week, I'll do it. Yeah, $835. <laughs> Minimum wage plus 600 That's That's Duh. my rate. Dude, that wouldn't be a bad living. Almost a, a grand a week. Jesus. Not a bad life. Nah, I'd take it. Shit. I could live off one income like that. It's a beautiful thing. You know what, Colin? I yes. do live off one income like that. I know you do, and you're a fucking baller. And it <laughs> amazes me that anybody can do that. Elizabeth Warren was right when she talked about the two-income trap. Yep. It's a shame she doesn't believe it anymore. We're figuring it out. So, hang on. Before we leave, I want to tell you the number of films that I have had going on in the background throughout all this COVID stuff. Yes. and then So, next, mind you, before you get show, blown away by the number. Go ahead. Uh, and then next show, after we do this next show, I think that we were more than likely will be in person. Um, I'm hoping so. So, yeah, I think that that's a viable option. Since you guys probably can't tell because the audio quality is so fucking amazing. It's pretty We are choice. still separated this week as per the social distancing guidelines. Uh, but next session, two weeks from now, I think we'll probably be back in person. Uh, six weeks apart, I think, is good enough for yeah, I think so. You know, so as to ensure no one has the Rona. Um, I think <laughs> so that we'll be Rona. all right. Yeah, we've started this week to reintroduce ourselves to our friends and stuff like that. Trenton came over earlier this week. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. I'm going to go and deliver that co-sleeper, so... We'll say traffic has been um, a lot more during the day the last few days. Yes. Like in the middle of the day, like there's middle of the day traffic now, which is, is weird. But, you know, I think that's – it might be a good sign. All right. So anyways, how many films have you watched? One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty. 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56. Hell yeah. Now, mind you, I'm not like watch watching them. Still. I get up at seven and I have breakfast and have coffee and I start working at home 
and I just have a movie playing on the iPad while I'm working. And then that movie doesn't, or those movies don't usually stop rolling till like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Hell fucking yeah. And then I go to bed and I do the same thing all over again. So, you know, there's been a couple of them that uh, have really like, okay, I have to take a break for a little while. Stop working. I need to watch like an hour of this. Like Outbreak was one of the ones I watched last week. And I had to just, I think I ended up putting that thing on at like 12 o'clock at night one night. And I was, I just finished fucking with some videos, which hashtag you should see some videos here real quick. Woo! And, um, but anyways, I was done with that. And I was like, man, I just want to smoke and watch movie. And I put that thing on and it wasn't over till almost two o'clock in the morning. But it was so great. It was so great. Yeah, I'm not sleeping any more than I ever did when I was, like, getting up at four. <laughs> I'm just staying up way later and getting up at seven. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. But anyways, it's been real, buddy. Absolutely. This was a fantastic episode. I want to thank everyone again for joining us. Uh, obviously, you can find all of this on SoundCloud, all of our podcasts, anywhere you can find a podcast. You can find all of our videos, plus the new ones Colin's going to put them on our YouTube. We do all of our pre-shows on our Facebook and those go on the YouTube. We have our YouTube at Salt of the Streets. We have our Instagram at Salt of the Streets. Our Facebook at Salt of the Streets. We have our own personal social media. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin is at Big Bird Offy on both of those things. You can find all of this on the Fresh revamped and rejuvenated salt of the streets.com everything is there uh our theme song is done by the upper left upper left you can find them on soundcloud at upper left you can find them on facebook on all that shit um and with that i think we can hit a line and get out of here uh you know all this i've been working on a lot of art and uh you know this woman she's my statue of david with a better nose boobs and no dick you mean a bigger dick <laughs> because it's 2020 and you can do that. 